If there was a good time to have a lot of rain in the forecast, it's the week you travel to Oregon, and that's exactly what BYU had. We'll explain more about that, our takeaways from practice, and a whole lot more on today's edition of Locked On Cougars. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show. Very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network. The model around the network is your team every day. And as such, we are your only daily podcast focused on all things BYU. By way of introduction, real quick, my name is Jake. I work for the KSL Sports Zone in Salt Lake City, Utah. Been covering BYU for going on over a decade at this point, beginning in 2010. So I guess 12 years, technically uh, 12 football seasons, I guess, to be precise and absolutely love what I do. And I goal here. My stated goal is to make you the smartest BYU fans in the room by making sure you guys are up to date on everything when it comes to all things BYU, most importantly, BYU football. And obviously with BYU basketball, just 54 days away from today. Crazy enough. College hoop season is almost here. All right, let's dive in right away on today's show. Uh, we're going to get to some of your questions. I asked for them on social media yesterday. We'll get get to those here in just a minute. But uh, practice, uh, a couple of things I pulled away from practice yesterday was that BYU's heading to Eugene, Oregon. Of course, the Pacific Northwest is known as one of the more rainy parts of the country here in the United States of America. And there is rain uh, potentially in the forecast. Uh, at last check, I saw it was anywhere between a 40 and a 50% chance of rain when BYU and the Ducks do battle at midday up there in Eugene in Autzen Stadium. Well, if there was one week to have it rain hard in Provo uh, and have it uh, in the forecast for the rest of the week, it's this week because that gives you an opportunity to go out and prepare for this. You don't have to be spraying hoses or have uh, sprinklers going to make the guys kind of realize how much different playing in wet weather can affect them. And the other thing BYU has going for them is obviously that weather delay, the severe weather delay that they uh, endured down there at Raymond James Stadium in the season opener against USF. I know it didn't uh, really rain all that much during the game, but the field was wet they had to deal with uh, moisture on the grass, all that stuff, uh, soaking into the footballs, all that type of stuff. And that's, I think, an advantage for BYU going into this matchup. Traditionally, I'd be a guy who's saying that's actually one of the things you got to watch for here with BYU. If, it, if it's raining, you got to watch for balls uh, getting stripped or guys uh, mishandling a ball, that type of stuff, guys tipping up a, a pass as a receiver. But the nice part is BYU's already got experience playing in wet weather conditions, and obviously, they practiced outside uh, yesterday, and they'll be continue to practice outside in the adverse weather because it is getting them ready for potentially playing amidst the downpour that could be coming on Saturday. So it's, it's kind of funny in many ways. I know that uh, not necessarily ideal to have bad weather when you're practicing, but if you're going to be going somewhere that's outdoors that traditionally well, rain's always a possibility. This is actually playing right into BYU's hands in some ways on this. Obviously, with wet weather, it, it, the ball it, ball control, securing the football, it's of paramount importance, but 
I just, I, I kind of look at this. I'm like, okay, if there was a, if there was one week, uh, the one week you would probably want it to rain hard. And the, trust me, we're going to get to an interview here in just a minute. You're going to see how hard it was raining because I actually had to come home and change uh, after how wet I got at practice uh, before I recorded the podcast. But if there was one week to have it have stormy, uh, wet weather, uh, rainy weather in the uh, Provo area, it's this week. I, I think it's, it's absolutely an advantage for BYU. So, Without further ado, let's let you hear uh, an interview I did with BYU defensive lineman Caden Hawes. I meant to uh, take this interview longer, but as you're about to see, as this interview progresses, and I think it's uh, only the two minutes and 45-ish seconds, it's not a very long interview, but you're going to see the conditions quickly deteriorate, and you're going to realize how much rain we were dealing with during our media session. Here you go. Give me your overall takeaways from that win. Yeah, I had a great win. Baylor's a, a great team. You know, we got a couple coaches there, Grimes and Mateos, that do a great job getting their guys ready every week. Um, you know, Baylor's a top five, top ten O-line in the country. It was a great challenge for us, and I feel like, you know, we were all able to step up. Um, you know, kept them from running the ball inside, and especially in the second half, everything kind of bounced to the edge. And I don't know, I think we're overall pretty happy with our performance. Um, but, you know, have another good O-line coming up this week in Oregon, so... I was just going to ask you, how much does this offensive line, because it's considered one of the top 10 or top five in the country, how much is going up with these guys every day help you with that? Oh, it's it's huge. Honestly, um, I feel like our guys are, you know, probably similar speed, but just a little bit stronger than, than Baylor's offensive line. Um, so it was perfect to be able to prepare, and um, especially against wide zone, our guys, you know, run that just as good as anybody. So it was, no, it's, it's huge having to, you know, having those guys be able to prep with every day. So... That wide zone concept is becoming more and more of a thing that almost every team runs. How difficult is it for you as a nose tackle to defend against that? Um, you know, for me, I'm, I'm somebody that likes to play pretty square. I, I don't shoot the gaps as much as, like, you know, Gabe Summers or Earl, you know, those guys that love to just pierce. Um, so I I like it. It lets me be able to kind of see a little bit more and, um, and be more a part of the play than it would if, you know, they're running something else. So I, I actually enjoy playing against it, but um, it's, you know, if you're not ready for it, it, it becomes an issue. You know, guys get tired pretty fast having to run so much. And um, especially with the good old line like Baylor, they run it pretty well. So in our line as well. So it's, yeah, it's good. How does your background as an offensive lineman help you? Um, I think it helps a ton. Um, I feel like it makes things kind of slow down a bit. It's a lot easier to pick up the offensive line's calls because um, they're pretty universal. I mean, there's a lot of similar ones. So after, you know, quarter or two quarters, if they telegraph it and are pretty loud with it, especially where the center points and that kind of stuff, it's it's easy to pick up on, especially having played center. So it helps a lot. Last thing for me, when you guys go up against Oregon this week, what are you expecting? Like You said you're a pretty good offensive line, but what are you expecting overall? Um, you know, physical team, um, you know, definitely feel like they they feel like they have something to prove. Um, you know, they run a little bit of everything, so it's uh, we've so we've changed a little bit how we're going to prepare for it. And I know that they, you know, are going to play tough and physical and they're going to want to establish the run. So and then, you know, they throw a little quick quick stuff on the outsides. They're really fast. They're known for being fast. Right. But um, no, the good old line. Um, and yeah, we're just ready to go. So we didn't see Caden Haas going sideline to sideline. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Caden, thanks so much. Okay, thanks, Jake. There you go. Caden Hawes, BYU nose tackle. I told you, folks, 
in two minutes and 40 some odd seconds, you saw how quickly uh, conditions deteriorated. And I had to come home and literally change my outfit. I, I, it, I was soaked. It was, it came down hard. It came down fast. And you know what? If there's a place to prove that and to, to improve it, obviously get ready to face off against a team that's used to playing in stormy weather like Oregon is, uh, man, it's just it's interesting. But also interesting to hear about Caden Haas. He likes playing against that wide zone. Obviously, he's playing that nose tackle position. Uh, he did get uh, dinged up in that game against uh, Baylor uh, late in that game. You probably saw it in overtime. He went down injured. He did come back into the game later. Uh, it looks like he is none worse for the wear. He was out there on the practice field, fully participating in practice or else he wouldn't have been available to speak with me uh, one-on-one. Also, some other good news. Tyler Batty, it was reported during the game against Baylor that he left with an abdominal... I can't pronounce this word. I've struggled with my entire life. Abdominal injury. And it looked like he was out there practicing. At least uh, he was walking off the field in full pads. Obviously, Tuesday is a very important day for BYU. It's when they do their install. It's kind of the biggest pra- biggest and longest practice of the week for the BYU football program. But he was out there participating. So that's a positive sign. I, I don't have any intel. My practice insiders didn't indicate that he was limited, etc. in practice. But the fact that he was in pads and participating leads me to think that Tyler Batty is probably going to go this week against the Oregon Ducks, and that's a positive considering he missed the last half of that game against Baylor. All right, it's going to be your turn to steer the show. Uh, we're going to dig into the mailbag coming up here in just a moment. First, though, a word on our friends over at Intercap Lending. There is a reason that no lender helps more families in the state of Utah with their mortgage needs than our friends at Intercap Lending. The reason Intercap gets deals done, my friend, they feature a quick and simple process of closing loans two weeks faster than the industry average, and although fast is great, the ultimate goal is to create a stress-free home loan process for you, the consumer. Uh, and that's what it's all about here, folks. They want to make it easy on you. We all know the interest rates are going bonkers right now, but there's still an opportunity if you are interested in refinancing, building your dream home, uh, buying a new home, no matter what it is, Intercap Lending would love nothing more than to help you guys out. And Steve Carter is the man to speak to. He is Locked On's personal loan officer with Intercap Lending. He's helped hundreds of Locked On listeners going back all the way to 2018. He helped David Locke through the process. I think at least twice at this point. And that's what he loves to do. He loves to make sure that all of your questions are handled, answered, and that you feel comfortable with how things are proceeding. He'd love nothing more than to earn your business. If you want to reach out to him anytime, you can call his direct number. Yes, a direct line to him, 385-800-8528. That is 385-800-8528. I can promise you will not find a more responsive loan officer anywhere. If you want to email him, you can do so by at, at, by emailing him at scarter at intercaplending.com. Uh, or if you, by the way, if you want to email us and have us broker a meeting with you, happy to do that as well. Locked on BYU at gmail.com is our email address. The other good news is if you mention Jay Catch and Locked on Cougars, you get a corporate rate discount from our friends at Intercap Lending. So take advantage of it now, my friends. They've got 44 years of experience behind them. They've been around since 1978 and they are licensed to help people in more than 40 states nationwide. They are based in Utah, but they love nothing more than to help, than to help you wherever you might be. So once again, reach out to Steve right now, 385 385- 800-8528. That is 385-800-8528. That's Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. Intercap Lending is an equal housing lender. 
Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show. Uh, your guys' support on social media recently has been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, your, the download numbers are going berserk. We're on pace to have one of our best months ever in the four-plus-year history of this podcast. And it's all thanks to you guys. Uh, subscribers on YouTube are continuing to get stronger. And by the way, I mentioned that we're going to do a 1,500 subscriber giveaway. Uh, what I was planning on giving away did not work out. So with us almost nearing 1,700 uh, plus subscribers as it is, we're going to do a bigger giveaway when we get to 2,000. I want to push for 2,000. I'd like to get there by the time that college hoop season begins. We got 54 days before BYU basketball takes the court against Idaho State at the Marriott Center. In the next 54 days, I'd like to get to 2,000 subscribers on YouTube. The thousands of you who tune in every day on our regulars, podcast providers, all huge thank you to every single one of you. I uh, had some great opportunities. Met uh, one of our great listeners, Rob, yesterday actually at BYU football practice. A shout out to you, Rob. Thank you for tuning into the show as always. And thank you, by the way, once again to just every single one of you. I may not have met all of you. I love meeting my listeners and obviously getting to know people out there in Cougar Nation, but a big thank you once again for all of your support. All right, time to get to your guys' questions uh, submitted via social media, also via email. Uh, you can reach out to the show anytime. Locked on Cougars on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. My personal Twitter feed, you can send them to me, uh, DM them. My DMs are always open. Jacob C. Hatch is the handle and always appreciate you guys reaching out. And also once again, via email, lockedonbyu at gmail.com is the email address. Number one question, uh, come, well, I guess not number one. The first question coming in today comes from ICY Man. ICY Man Design says, how does Oregon's offense compare to USF and Baylor and what new challenges will the defense face this week? Uh, so the thing about Oregon's offense is I'm not 100% certain and what to make of Oregon completely. Think about this. Week one, they get absolutely trounced in Atlanta by the defending national champion Georgia Bulldogs, 49-3. Now, Georgia is a transcendent program. Like I said, the defending national champions absolutely lights out defensively, and they shut down uh, the Oregon Ducks. Was that a little bit of stage fright for Oregon? Was uh, Bo Nix not ready for the moment? I-, I don't know, but when you only score three points against the, the number one team in the country, and you're considered to be one of the powerhouses in the Pac-12, I've got my questions. Well, uh, fast forward uh, a week, then they go out and absolutely blow the doors off a traditional big sky power in Eastern Washington, scoring 70 points in the process. Who is the true Oregon? I'm not 100% certain that we know quite yet. And that might be the ultimate challenge for BYU in this matchup. And that, that, that's the thing about this is as BYU goes in, they've got to be ready for anything. I'm expecting a lot of four and five wide receiver sets. That seems to be how Oregon's going to operate. They're going to be more of a spread, uh, true true spread type offense where they're throwing the ball all over the yard. Bo Nix, as a quarterback, he to me... <laughs> He's up and down. He was that way at Auburn. I think he's going to be that same way at, at Oregon. Maybe find some consistency, but uh, I think the similarities to Baylor, there's not that many similarities I don't feel like to Baylor. USF and how they like to spread it out and really throw it all over the place. If USF's receivers could catch the football, they may have made that game just a tad bit more interesting, but they're probably more similar to USF if they're similar to any of the two BYU faces, but they have their own unique uh, way of operating things on offense, and I do expect BYU to play a lot of their time this this week in a three-man front, drop eight type stuff because that's how BYU operates when they go up against these teams. They want to keep things in front of them. I know that it drives people bonkers, but 
let's give the defense some credit because what a game, Elisa Tuiaki. What a game plan, I guess, they executed last week, and what a game plan put together by Elisa Tuiaki. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt as they go into Oregon here, and if it is a drop eight scheme, so be it. All right, next question uh, coming in on social media. This comes into Locked On Cougars from our good friend Nick Chadwick, one of our GFOPs. Uh, Nick weighing in all the time says, what effect do these big games slash wins have on potential recruits? Who do you think will be the next big recruit to commit? Well, they do have two recruits that uh, committed. Uh, Siale Sarah from just up the road at Timview High School actually committed on the field before the game against Baylor last week. He is a linebacker slash edge rusher. Uh, prospect six foot three, two hundred fifty pound athlete out of Timview High School. I think Sarah is a home run get for BYU. A local kid. B a guy who really can get after the quarterback. I've watched enough of his tape uh, playing with Timview that I think he's a guy that can really uh, bring it off the edge and that that's the thing about this is you need edge rushers they've got Logan Fano who's recovering from an ACL they expect to break out I think BYU proved last week that they can rush the passer with the best of them having four sacks in a single game against one of the more vaunted offensive lines in Baylor so uh, always good to have guys like Ciala uh, joining the program and I think it, it, he's in, indicative of a, kind of the uptick right now for BYU it's fun to be playing for BYU once again because they're in the national consciousness if BYU wasn't winning the games like they were they're winning against Baylor you going back to last year uh, beating the Pac-12 winning all five Pac-12 games obviously if you don't win those games a lot of guys are gonna be like yeah I'm gonna go somewhere else BYU is a hip cool place to be right now that 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 resonates with kids uh, BYU can talk about 1984 all they want but that's ancient history for most of these young men and in case like a Sierra Sarah he's 17 years old folks he was born in the 2000s he was born what 2005 Oh, he was born after I was graduated from high school. That's terrifying to think of because it makes me feel old. But nonetheless, uh, it's legit. Also, BYU got a commitment just uh, yesterday from Chance Harrison. He's a member of the 2024 recruiting class, so two recruiting classes out. He's got an 84 rating from uh, 24-7 Sports. He plays uh, for Rio Mesa High School in Oxnard, California. He's considered to be a true athlete. It seems like that's what BYU is bringing him in as. He's played some wide receiver, also some cornerback and safety at the high school level. He's got good tape. I, I Pulled up his huddle highlights. Six foot one, 175 pounds, according to uh, 24-7 Sports. For, so for a junior in high school, very, very good numbers, the measurables, that type of stuff. It, very much kind of the prototype of what BYU's recruited for the defensive secondary in particular. But if BYU wants him on offense, uh, I think he, he could be a guy that could be a candidate to play wide receiver as well for the Cougars. Now, to answer your second question here, Nick Chadwick, the next big recruit is Ethan Thomason. He's expected to announce his commitment today, September 14th. I think it was around like 6 o'clock Mountain Time, if I recall correctly. Uh, he would be the next big one. A, a borderline four-star prospect out there. A Thomason six foot eight, 300-pound athlete out of Colorado. Uh, he would be just yet another home run addition to this recruiting class for BYU. And here's hoping that they can pull it off because it'd be a ton of fun to see a guy like that continue the momentum BYU's picking up on the recruiting trail. So I guess to answer your question, I, Ethan Thomason, if he picks BYU tonight, he's the guy I've kind of pinned my hopes on. All right, next uh, question. Jason W. Kelly saying, if you had to pick a loss on our schedule for the rest of the year, which game would you choose? Uh, that's an interesting question. He says, I think we could lose Oregon and Arkansas. If we win of those two, it's a New Year's Six path, right? Well, uh, Jason, that's a great question. If I had to pick a game, if you want, if you're 
pinning me down to the one game BYU loses this year, for me, it's probably Arkansas. And the funny thing about the Arkansas game is BYU, if they run the table from here until then, they very well could have college game day in Provo once again for the first time in quite some time. It's crazy to think about because Arkansas, in their own right, could be a top 10 team when they make that trip to Provo. Very much looking forward to that one. I would probably pick Arkansas. The other one that I've got questions about, just because it's so late in the season and BYU will have played 10 straight games at that point, I've got some concerns about going to Boise State just before you have a bye. A lot of guys are going to be looking forward to having that week off. Obviously, you'd like to have that more towards the middle of the schedule. So I've just still got some lingering concerns about, about that Boise State game, just simply due to the fact that BYU could be worn out at that point and just literally kind of pining for that opportunity to get to the bye week. I guess that's one other dark horse, but you're right. If BYU goes 11-1, and the New York 6 is very much on the table, especially considering you would have taken down the likes of Baylor, Oregon, Notre Dame, and potentially Arkansas. You've got a really, really good case out there. Uh, about as good a case as anybody, I think, on paper moving forward. So, very good questions on that front. I uh, had a couple other questions sent in via email. I'm going to pull my phone here uh, to get those to you. Uh, number one, coming in from Andy Stallings, uh, saying, Hey, Jake, I love the podcast. A couple of things I wanted to ask you about. Number one, what are your thoughts on the college football playoff expansion? I am a huge fan of the 12-team playoff. I think this is a home run. It obviously is going to bring more money into the Big 12 and the other power conferences out there because that's what this is all about. The the people who make these decisions, they're motivated by green, by money, folks. It, it's, I know that we'd like to think it's altruistic and this is all about the athlete and we're all about amateurism. No, this is a multi-billion dollar business and they realize we're leaving hundreds of millions of dollars on the table. What are you guys thinking? Collect that money. That's what they're going for. The good news is on the college football playoff expansions, it will give more opportunities for programs like BYU, should they be worthy of it, in the Big 12 to have access to the playoff. With the 14 playoff, BYU going into the Big 12 is great and all because obviously you're making it finally to the big time, but the hopes and dreams of making it to the college football playoff seems so distant with a 14 playoff. With a 12 team playoff yeah there is work to be done obviously to claw your way to the top of the big 12 but with 12 teams getting into the postseason that is what you can kind of pin your hopes on and say okay this would be really really fun by the way how cool would it be to be the second week of december playing a team bringing them to utah when it's snowing outside and playing at lavelle edwards stadium i'm all on board with that i know many of you probably like i'm gonna freeze but hey i'm I'm all for stuff like that. I think the college football playoff expansion is absolutely phenomenal. All right. Second question here from Andy. Also, is there any way you could set up a texting platform for those of us who are cavemen and aren't on social media? I would love to have a way to reach out and be more a part of the show. Now, that's an interesting question, Andy, because I'm not 100% certain how I would go about that, but I actually like that idea. So let me look into that. And if any of you, by the way, I... I'll admit I'm in my mid thirties. I should be hip and up to date on a lot of things with regards to social media, texting platforms and the such. I admittedly, I'm not. So if you guys have any insight on that, you have expertise in it, you'd be uh, able to help me set that up. And if you find that, and I'm not looking to spend oodles and oodles of money because I don't have oodles and oodles of money doing this podcast. But if it's something that you feel like we could do on a relatively, uh, 
cheap and for, I guess even free basis, make it happen. I'd love your help. So reach out. I'd love nothing more than to have you uh, be a part of this. All right, final question here. Uh, this one comes in via Trent, and he says this. How have we gone three episodes post the Baylor win and not mention that BYU owns the belt? This is a travesty and must be acknowledged. Keep up the good work. Okay. Now, first off, this comes via the Hatch rankings. I must know who the Hatch rankings are created by because my name, my last name, my surname is Hatch. But what this is, and I had to learn a little bit about this. I, I had heard about it uh many, many moons ago. But what this is, is this is a history project, essentially. It's called the Lineal National Championship. So if you go to hatchrankings.com slash lineal, uh, it says this is an original research process, uh, uh, an original research project. Let's get that straight. In some sports, rather than a, a playoff or, or a complex balloting method, the champion is deemed to be the competitor who defeated the preceding champion in the uh, boxing is the example. What follows are the results of a college football national championship based on this method. So in theory, what this means is the very first college football game played was Rutgers uh, winning six to four over Princeton on November 6th, 1869. Now, since that time, every time the team that won, so essentially the first champion in this formula was Rutgers winning that game six, nothing. Well, just a week later, Princeton beat, uh, I think Rutgers, 8 nothing to take that belt away. This has continued on for over 150 some odd years at this point. We're 152 years into the history of this sport. And BYU, uh, Baylor actually took the belt away from Mississippi on a New Year's Day in the Sugar Bowl when they beat Ole Miss. Now, BYU, by virtue of their 26-20 victory over Baylor, has taken the belt. This is the third time that BYU has held onto the belt according to this. The first time they won it actually goes back to 1995. BYU won it on uh, September 30th when they beat Colorado State 28-21. They lost that just a few weeks later when they lost to Arizona State 29-21 in Tempe. But a year later, on October 19th, BYU took it back by beating Tulsa 55-30. So this is the third time BYU has held on to the belt, as they call it. And they are currently, in this uh, lineal championship uh, formula, the national champion. One of those funny things about that. Oregon beats BYU this week, they take the belt. But as long as BYU keeps winning, they will hold on to this belt for however long it takes for them to lose. And uh, by the way, as I mentioned earlier this week, a member of the BYU staff told me I cannot shave until BYU loses a game. So here's hoping that we're talking about BYU holding on to that belt for quite some time and me going for like the Duck Dynasty ZZ Top look at some point here uh, while my wife just absolutely cringes at that. All right. So uh, there you go. A couple of the notes before we go on today's show. We'll get to real quick. But first, I need to tell you about our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your pro and college football betting needs and sports information this season. By the way, folks, our good friends over at BetOnline have upgraded BYU's national championship odds to 100 to 1. Yes, if you want to get on in on that, go to BetOnline. They do nothing more than to have you guys on board with them. I believe the Heisman odds for Jaron Hall have moved to 75 to 1, so it's not out of the question that he could win the Heisman Trophy, the second in program history. But if you want to take advantage of that stuff, get to bet online and take advantage of it now. Also find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including uh, games every single week throughout the upcoming, uh, throughout not the upcoming, the college football season and the NFL season. It is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. It is the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. 
Health. The MBA will be here soon enough. So take advantage of it now, my friends. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. It's all courtesy of your friends at Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, before we go on today's show, uh, two real quick notes on other BYU sports that were in action earlier this week. Both men's and women's golf programs were at the Olympic Club uh, out in San Francisco to participate in the men's side, the USF Intercollegiate. On the women's side, it was, oh, they're both the USF Intercollegiate. My apologies. I thought they were titled differently, but they were not. Uh, BYU men actually held the lead after the second round on Monday, but faltered in the final round as Little Rock uh, beat BYU, took the number one spot away from them with an absolutely incredible incredible seven under uh, final round. BYU was one under as a team on the final day Tuesday of that. BYU finishing two under and finishing alone in second place. Uh, so a nice showing for Bruce Brockbank, Todd Miller, and the rest of the BYU men's golf program. The women's team didn't uh, fare as well as a team. They finished in fifth place at 13 over par. San Jose State winning the tournament at four under. But Alicia May Mateo shot a three under par 68 in the final round to finish runner up at the USF Intercollegiate as an individual. So a good showing for her individually. Uh, Alicia has been an absolute stalwart for the BYU Women's Golf Program for the last, I think, is this her fourth year now at this point? Uh, It's kind of funny to think about how many many years these athletes play at BYU. They feel like they've been around forever when they've been in the consciousness like Alicia has. I know that golf doesn't necessarily register with a lot of you. It's a sport that's near and dear to my heart. I love playing golf. It's kind of the one sport I still actively participate in and uh, I love tracking how the BYU men's and women's golf programs do. So there you go. Nice showings for them. Obviously we'll be keeping you updated when they get back into action here in a couple of weeks as their fall season progresses. All right, that's going to do it for today's edition of Locked on Cougars. Thank you to all of you for your questions. It's absolutely awesome to have your guys' interaction on the show. Uh, We'll be doing mailbags pretty regularly. Uh, Coming up on tomorrow's show, just a little bit of a tease ahead. It's going to be our Locked on Crossover Edition this week with Locked on Ducks. Spencer McLaughlin, who's been on this show a couple of times, will be talking about this matchup between the Ducks and the Cougars, kind of giving our insights from both sides, attacking this from every angle, and making sure you guys are up to speed when it comes to this matchup coming up on Saturday afternoon. So until then, have a great rest of your day. Thank you for making us your first listen. Make sure you make your second listen our friends over at the Locked On Big 12 podcast. I was part of their roundtable that'll be coming out. I believe it's actually today. It might be uh, coming out tomorrow, but regardless, make sure you check out the Locked On Big 12 podcast wherever you get your podcast just like this one, wherever you get podcasts or also on YouTube. That's going to do it for me. Have a great day, my friends, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya.